Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. I came to America thinking I can never go through hell. But what if this come to me? This virus is very dangerous. It caught everybody off guard, including myself. I was never prepared for it. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today, one of the largest outbreaks of the coronavirus in the U.S., has been inside a meat processing plant in South Dakota. My colleague, Caitlin Dickerson, speaks with one of its workers. It's Monday, May 4th. As an immigration reporter, as soon as I hear that COVID-19 is starting to spread across the country, I start thinking about who are the most vulnerable people in this pandemic. And right away, meat and poultry plants come to mind because these facilities tend to be staffed by immigrants. There's going to be a lot of pressure on workers to show up for work because they've been deemed essential by the federal government. And because of the nature of the work, the facilities are massive and often you have thousands of people working at a single time and they literally stand shoulder to shoulder. They're touching all the time. Hello. Are you there? Oh, shoot. You just dropped out. Something happened. So I'm put in touch with a woman named Achoot Dang. Whew. We did it. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Just to start out, Achoot, can you... Just kind of introduce yourself and tell us what work you do. So my name is Achut Deng. I work with Smithfield. We produce uh, pork. Achut is a shift lead at the Smithfield Pork Plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I am a lead person for one department, eight floor conversion. She works in the conversion department, deboning and processing all different cuts of pork. She's 35, and she's a single mom of three boys. Um, give, give, give me a second, okay? My son just come in. Give me a second. Who are trying to get their homework done while we talk. Sorry, I'm back. You're back, you're back. Okay, so how did you come to work at Smithfield? Do you want me to go from South Sudan to Ethiopia to Kenya and to America? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yes, I was born in South Sudan. But then when I was um, six years old, 
we had a terrorist attack in the village. Achut was born in Sudan, and she became an orphan when she was six years old during the country's civil war. And we walked to Kenya, um, and that was in 1990, in 1991 still. She grew up in refugee camps in Ethiopia and Kenya, where life was really hard. Uh, they created um, the school, um, but pretty much people go and sit under the tree because there was no building or classroom or anything like that in the beginning. Her school was a shady spot beneath a large tree where children wrote their English lessons with sticks in the dirt. Yeah, it seemed like it was normal at the time because we didn't have no any other choice. She often went days without having food or fresh water. A lot of her friends died. She didn't know if she was ever going to leave, so she took life one day at a time. I would say it was just um, surviving. Because you, you don't know um, what would happen tomorrow, you know? And then in the year 2000, her life changed completely. I got the news that I was, um, I'm going to get a second chance of life. I'm going to go to the United States. She was chosen for a program that relocated Sudanese orphans. Oh my God, it was a happiest feeling for me. I could not believe um, I didn't go to sleep. The next day I went to school. I, I told my friends. Yeah. She moved to Kansas City, started a life in America. She graduated high school and started community college. And then she starts working as a waitress and then in her late 20s doing private security. And then how do you get to Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Um, you know, um... I always tell people I, I moved to Sioux Falls for a very stupid reason, thinking that I find a man. So that was pretty much a reason, a reason right there. <laughs> um, I, mo- I moved in with um, my younger son, father. Then we broke up. Okay. And how did you hear about the Smithfield factory for the first time? He actually told me about it because before I moved here, I told him I cannot go a month without a, a job uh, because a lot of people are relying on me and most importantly, my kids. So and that's when he told me, oh, yeah, there is a company here, Smithfield. And when you were hearing yeah. about it, what what were people saying? It was good things. Um, your start wages with Smithfield was twelve ninety five. That is a very good pay. They have health care, health insurance. So a lot of people came to Sioux Falls because of Smithfield and what it was offering to people. I know a lot of Sudanese families came here because of Smithfield. So when I went and put in my application, right in there, they told me, okay, you start tomorrow. Wow. And I started as a wizard knife operator. And for someone who's never heard of Smithfield or been to the plant, can you just walk through what exactly it is that you guys do there? So Smithfield, we um, receive live hogs, slaughter them, uh, cut them into uh, pieces. What I mean by that, by uh, cutting off hams, legs. Uh, We make bacon, uh, ham, even hot dogs, cheese hot dogs, we have them. Those are the things we do at Smithfield. So it's the, the entire pig that come alive turn into so many things afterwards. 
And what is a wizard knife? It's a circle knife that goes into this electric thing and you turn it off and on. And what is it used for? They use wizard knife to trim off fat from the loin until it's pretty much all meat. Just meat without fat. So picture a massive factory floor with giant chunks of pork zooming by on a conveyor belt. And Achute and the other wizard knife operators are responsible for shaving fat off of the meat as it zooms past them. And how many pigs are processed there every day? 10,000 or more pig. That's huge. Yeah. And they're responsible for 4 to 5% of all the pork that's produced in the United States. So when you first started, what did you think of it? How did it go? What did I think of Smithfield? Hard work. Hard work is what I thought of it. But you're not really thinking of how hard it is. You are thinking of money, you know, and, and everything that you, you know, when once you get the paycheck, you are able to pay for the apartment. You are able to put foods on the table These were the things that I was thinking. And you know? what yeah. was it like for you physically in the beginning starting out? Once you start doing something for the first time, something that you never done, your muscle is going to reject it. Your body is going to reject it. So I was always sore. Um, I was always, my wrist was sore. My arm, you know, went numb. So after work, I would come home and put ice like on my shoulder or my wrist and then take ibuprofen. Then I did that every night. Wow. Until one day I went to first aid and I talked to the nurse and the nurse was very, very nice outgoing. And she said, you know what, Achute? let me give you this advice. You know, this job is a hard work. It's, it's a very hard work. You've been doing this with a knife for, for a year now and your wrist is hurting, your arm hurt. Your shoulder hurt. I would do one job for about a year, but after that, sign another job. That way you have a rotation in your body. Mm -hmm. So she takes this advice, and over the next couple years, she starts moving around the factory to different jobs. She eventually becomes a shift lead, and she starts working a lot of overtime, usually 11 to 12 hours a day, six days a week. But it really pays off. She starts to feel comfortable financially. I get paid eighteen seventy an hour. What is that higher hourly wage meant for your life? My boys, my um, all three of them, I can give them what I never have, uh, which is a better life at at, at a young age. Mm -hmm. Last year, I took them to Disney World. That's just something that when I went there, I cried, but I was it was a tears of happiness. I'm bringing my kids. I am American by papers. I bring my kids here. And that was something I did. I was so proud of myself. Between the new salary she's making and the overtime that she's working, she's able to move into a bigger apartment with her sons. And she's also supporting five family members who are still living in Africa. So this job offered me to take care for everybody else, not just my boys, you know. So you're basically supporting nine people on your salary yes. from Smithfield. Yes. Wow. So that's why I, I pick up overtime 
regardless of me being tired. Every morning when I go to work, I put everything that the company offered me、uh, in order to make sure this food that I'm making doesn't have anything that can go and hurt and harm someone, because. You know, these these food are going to families, is going to children, is going to mothers, is going to fathers, uncles, aunts, everyone around the world. Working at the meat factory, I'm making food for people around the world. I think of that every day. It sounds like you take a lot of pride in your job. Yes, I do. Do you remember the first time you heard about the coronavirus? Yeah, I would say it was sometime in January, February. We just talking about it. It's kind of like it's something that happened in China and it's gonna stay in China. Then come the beginning of March, it was Seattle, and then the next morning I went to work, and now everybody at work is is talking about it. But it's still most of us、um, as refugees. Immigrants, it's like, it's probably you know people are, are maybe just being extra about it right now. Maybe it's not that bad. Why do you think you reacted that way? For me personally, I'm like, okay, if it, if it become to affect, I'm like, I've been through so much. If this is just like a virus, you're talking to someone who had malaria. You know, I survived that, so it's like. Okay, if it's like if it's gonna be like malaria, I can go through it. It's just gonna be like any other thing that I've been through. But then on Saturday, March twenty-first, things start to change at Smithfield. When I went to work that morning,、um, I saw a lot of people with、um, uh, cleaning up the.、Uh, The handrails,、uh, doors, bathroom doors, with wipes, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And、um, one of、um, the people told me, "Yeah,、um, this thing is serious. That you, this thing is serious." But you know, I'm I'm thinking now. Okay, a hundred fifty to a hundred and sixty people in one shift.、Um, you sitting in the break room to where tables are very、uh, small, and you have six people. In one table, and then later that day, she gets an email. That time was when I received、um, an email, a video from the CEO,、uh, Smithfield CEO. Hi, I'm Ken Sullivan, President and CEO of Smithfield Foods. I'd like to talk to you today about COVID-19 or coronavirus. So I watched the video from the CEO uh, about. Um, This virus is not coming from food. According to the FDA and CDC, there's no evidence that COVID-19 can be transmitted by food. And、um, America needs food.、Um, every family needs food.、Uh, we don't want people to、um, struggle from hunger, let alone a virus. American families. We feed millions of people every day, every single day. It's a business with no shortcuts and no days off. Most of our team members work side by side on production lines in our facilities. We can't stay home. We can't telecommute. Food, after all, does not get made on the internet. So、um, our company is、um, is not going to get shut down. We're here. 
We're always here. We're a food company. And despite COVID-19, indeed because of it, we're working around the clock to do what we do best, and that's deliver good food responsibly. How did it feel to you to have your job deemed essential in the middle of a pandemic when people all over the country are panicking? You know, your work is deemed fundamental to to keeping the country going. At one point, I was negative about it. Um, At one point, um, I was like, wow, do that mean my life don't matter? And here I am putting my life at risk coming to work because uh, people around the world need food. Mm-hmm. But I said, okay, I'm just going to have to stay positive. And people, if people need food and I'm able to do that for them, then I'm just going to put my life to God to protect me and not get sick. Did you ever so consider th- just staying home from work and not going in? Um, to be honest, I did not. I was just thinking of, no, I need this job. I need to keep working so I can support my family. And it's, yeah, thinking about it now, it's like, it hurts. It hurts that you you didn't think about yourself. Yes. Yeah. We'll be right back. This fall, history is happening. September 14th, 2021. Hamilton, the Tony, Grammy, Olivier, and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, returns to Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. Performances begin September 14th. Hamilton, back on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Learn more at hamiltonmusical.com. By the end of March, hospitals across the country are being overrun by COVID patients. Governors start shutting down businesses and ordering people to shelter in their homes. But in South Dakota, there are still only a few COVID cases. And Achoot is still going to work until Saturday, March 28th. Now, Saturday... My uh, superintendents came up around, I would say at about three o'clock, and he said, okay, I want to have a meeting. Mm-hmm. They asked me if I have any fever, cough, any, you know, shortness of breath. And I say, no, I'm doing, I'm doing good. And he said, one of the machine operator tested positive. I say, what? Wow. That person, I worked with her that morning for like, I would say about 15 minutes. They said, okay, well, you got to go home because you had close contact with. And I'm like, really? You got, you know, I, I didn't say it out loud, but I'm thinking they're being silly. And that's when they told me you're going to be under quarantine for the next 14 days. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to get paid 40 hours. Is that enough for me? It's not enough for me as a person who do overtime. Overtime is like 500 extra. That, for me, it covered a lot of things. Mm -hmm. What do I do? I can't go and get another job. But at that time, I was told it's just two weeks. So I'm like, okay, 
two weeks, I, you know, I'll, I'll be okay. It's still going to drop me back one step backward, but I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And then Monday night was when I got sick. Monday night, I went to bed feeling okay. I woke up about 2 a.m. with this sharp pain on my body. It just felt like I, someone stabbed me. So, you know, I went to the bathroom and I said, okay, maybe if I take a shower, a cold shower is going to be better. So I turned the water on and it just, when the water hit my body, it felt like a bunch of rocks was getting thrown on my body. So I turned the water off. I took the towel to dry myself and my skin. I just couldn't use the towel. It just, my skin hurt. So I'm like, okay, I'm freaking out. And then Thursday night, my body at this point is so exhausted. Even walking is like I'm pushing myself. I just feel like something heavy sit right on my chest. Now the fear really kicked in because now I'm, I'm having problem breathing. I said, okay, if it's going to be better for me, I, I, I'm going to stay up. I don't want to sleep because if I go to sleep, chances are going to be I'm not going to wake up. That's when I left my room. I came to the living room and just sat there because I said, okay, if, if I stay in my room and I die, I don't want my kids to find me dead in the room. What was that like for you emotionally? I mean, what's going through your mind? I went right back to my childhood to everything that I've been through in life. And now my kids, if I die, my kids will go through the same thing I've been through. The loneliness, you know, not having anybody to check into like a parent. I'm thinking, I bring these kids to this world. I survive through everything that I went through. I said, I haven't even had a chance to tell them they don't know their mom. They don't know what their mom went through. All they know is that my mom is a workaholic. She would do anything to give us a better life. That's all they know. It's not a perfect world. I'd make it perfect for them. But if I die, this world is not perfect anymore. It sounds like a horrible, horrible night. Yeah, it was. It was it was one of the worst night ever. So while Achoot is at home sick with the coronavirus, the situation at Smithfield is evolving. This Smithfield pork processing plant is now a coronavirus hotspot. More and more of her colleagues are falling ill. How many other cases do you hear about among your colleagues? 
Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot.、Um, I think within the the South Sudanese community alone, I think we have like at least forty people that I know. But in my department, I was told that it went up to eighty in one department, eighty people. And how big is your department? On a good day, that people showed up is a hundred and fifty-five. The outbreak at that Sioux Falls plant is among the worst clusters of coronavirus in the country. About 250 workers there tested positive for coronavirus. 350 workers tested positive for COVID-19. And as the days pass, it keeps getting worse. The number of cases skyrockets, up to more than 400 Smithfield workers who are sick, and the governor calls on the head of the company. To stop production, one of the nation's largest food processors, Smithfield Foods, will close its pork processing plant in South Dakota for further cleaning. So on April 12th, the president of Smithfield announces he's going to close the plant indefinitely, and all the workers are sent home. This morning, there are fears the nation's food supply chain is at a breaking point after more than a dozen major meat processing plants have become COVID-19 hotspots. Meanwhile, food processing plants across the country are getting hit hard with COVID. Other major companies like Tyson start raising the alarm that they're having trouble producing and delivering food to the nation's grocery stores because of the virus. Meanwhile, President Trump announced an executive order to compel meat processing plants to remain open. And last week, President Trump signs an executive order declaring meat and poultry plants as part of the nation's critical infrastructure as a way to pressure the plants to keep producing food. In Sioux Falls, the plant is still closed. Smithfield says it will continue to pay workers for 40 hours a week until they go back to work, and it's speeding up plans to reopen the plant as quickly as possible. But that's also raised questions about whether it can do so safely. How are you feeling now, physically? Physically, I feel I feel I feel good.、Um, I'm still having a little bit of headache. But you know that's like almost an everyday thing when you are a mom, and you know, so I'm not freaking out over it. But my fever this morning is still at a hundred, and I have no idea why. I'm just trying to get it down to like ninety nine at least before I call my doctor to go for a check in. But I cannot afford to stay home for a long time. I would give myself a month. And if it goes after four weeks,、um, no, it wouldn't be good for me at all. It sounds like as soon as you start feeling better, your focus goes from your health back to your finances. Yes, that is correct. So now my focus is to try to take care of myself as possible, to where when this company opens back up, then I'm ready to go. So that's where my focus is. Achute, thank you so much for talking to us about your experience. You're welcome, and thank you very much for at least giving me the、um, the voice.、Um, a lot of people don't understand the living of the refugee camp. I don't take anything for granted. Because of what I've been through, it's like, and because of what I see happening to other kids, that did not make it. 
but I'm pretty sure they are looking over me. They are watching me, and I'm gonna make them proud. On Friday, federal officials said they were investigating the conditions at the South Dakota Smithfield plant that may have contributed to the outbreak. So far, more than 1,000 infections and two deaths have been linked to the plant. Nevertheless, it is scheduled to partially reopen later today. We'll be right back. From number one New York Times best-selling author Jennifer Weiner comes that summer, a timely, twisty, and emotionally explosive novel of intrigue, secrets, and the transformative power of female friendship. Library Journal calls it engaging, thoughtful, and good housekeeping raves this twisty novel will make the hours fly by. So, as the weather warms up, be sure to pack your beach bag with what Booklist calls a summer banger with a ripped from the headlines plot. That Summer by Jennifer Weiner. Available now in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook editions. Here's what else you need to know today. On Friday, the Food and Drug Administration granted emergency approval to the antiviral drug remdesivir, making it the first government-sanctioned treatment for those with COVID-19. Now that your company has this emergency use authorization, how quickly will the drug get to those people who need it? We are uh, grateful and really humbled that everything has moved so quickly. You know, it's only been- In an interview on Sunday with CBS, the CEO of the drug's manufacturer, Gilead, said he was working with federal officials to ensure that the first shipments of the drug reach America's hardest hit communities and hospitals. And Margaret, we intend to get that to patients uh, in the early part of this next week, uh, beginning to work with the government, which will determine which cities are most vulnerable and, and where the patients are that need this medicine. And we're going to form a consortium with our seven Northeast partner states, which buy about $5 billion worth of equipment and supplies. Uh, That will then increase our market power when we're buying. Seven states said they would begin jointly purchasing medical equipment from gloves to ventilators to avoid competing with one another. And because the federal stockpile of such equipment is running out. So this consortium, I think, will help us get the equipment and get it at a better price. The consortium involves New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. As of Sunday, there were nearly 68,000 deaths from the coronavirus in the U.S. and nearly 246,000 worldwide. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow.
With no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, and an app that lets you bank anytime, anywhere, choosing Capital One is like the easiest decision in the history of decisions. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC.